are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, what's going on next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. It is the show for the Giants fan by the Giants fan. And man, you have to kind of be a Giants fan to feel this way right now, but we are. So here we go. Not dead yet. Like that, I mean, we're coming to you right before. The Giants are about to take on the Rockies on a Thursday night. The Phillies have already posted the L um, earlier today. And uh, look, there are only seven games left, but the Giants have put together a little mini run. And for however long this little imagination lasts, I don't know, Joe, I'm here for it. Well, it's slightly unfortunate that they waited until the very end to play their best brand of baseball. But I do think there are a couple of small little things that are carryover. I don't think the majority of the things that I'm seeing are carryover. Here's the first. They didn't quit on Gabe Kapler. That does matter to me. That does absolutely matter to me. Because you had asked me this three weeks ago. I'd have said, you know, the bottom might fall out. Maybe they get stuck on about 75 wins. No, they've really fought. Now, you could say a bunch of guys are fighting for their baseball lives, and that's true. Someone like J.D. Davis, I've seen enough from him where I'm like, there's something there. I don't know where he fits into the equation next year. Like, I'm not guaranteeing him some everyday spot, but I think there's something there. And I, I look at him, and I'm like, I like what I see. Then I look at my staff, and I got Logan Webb and Rodon finishing on a high note. I don't know where Rodon's going to be with this team next year, but Logan Webb winning 15 games, having an under three ERA, check, check. And then I look at Doval's development. There are some nice little stories is what I'm getting at. Well, there are definitely stories, and I think we can get into what some of them may mean for for next year. I think you already started that with that conversation. What about this? Uh, I can tell you who looks like he doesn't want to leave shortstop. Uh, Brandon Crawford has had an unbelievable month defensively, but let's take that a step further. Um, Defense, we talked all year about how awful this team was defensively in the month of September, they have largely caught the ball. Yeah. Um, they, they have largely caught the ball and so forth. Whatever this does to sort of ramp up the expectation for what you're going to see next year, then that's great. Um, and then there's something I brought up on our last episode that I think um, is kind of addition by subtraction. And what you've noticed is that Tommy Lestell is not playing ball for this team anymore. And so, again, what they're doing is they're opening up some spots to see what other people can do. The, the, the David VR question is not going to be over by the end of this year, but it still sits out there. And then there are other, there are answers that have come forward and, and I'll give you one, which is yeah. Tyro Estrada. Yes. And, and, you know, whether he's an everyday guy, whether he's going to platoon with, you know, could Brandon Crawford go over to second, whatever it is. Uh, that's one question that really, really got answered. And then I think it really kind of slammed it home in the month of September that, you, you, you can move away from a Tommy LaStella because uh, they've got an answer over there at that position, and his defense has been fantastic. Yeah, you, you're giving me a couple of answers there. How about a question that I have after watching the last couple of weeks? Why did we wait so long on some of these bullpen arms? Like, and I'm not even saying that Alexander and, and Sam Young and uh, Sean Jelly getting opportunities and Shelby Miller. I'm not even saying these are sexy options, but I wish we would have done this audition thing maybe – 
two or three weeks sooner. I just feel like a couple of weeks that it went by and it was like, it was so obvious to me they needed to make a move and I'm just a little frustrated. And maybe those guys were struggling um, at that particular point in AAA, but I'm like, God, I would have tried to rearrange some of those deck chairs. Yeah, I, it's a fair question uh, just because things at, at so many points of the season were fe- feeling stale out of the bullpen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I also know how difficult it is because philosophically, here's what the Giants are thinking. Uh, you're still in a spot where you're trying to tell yourself you're in the race. And when you're in the race, if you hand everything over to a bunch of pups coming up from Sacramento and it doesn't go well, you're opening yourself up for criticism. Uh, but it may be the more important one is this. The Giants, come hell or high water, are stuck on one very clear rule with people in the minor leagues. You have to earn your way out. Yeah. Like, look at the way they treated Elliot Ramos when he came up for yeah. a day a week and a half ago. It was like upon arrival, they were like, by the way, you're here because we're in a weird spot and you're leaving tomorrow because you have not earned your way up here. And, and so – I. I can support the fact that that is an organizational rule. We're not bringing you up so that we can get a look because we can get a look when you're in Sacramento too. And if you're not making it obvious that you need to come up, you're not coming up. So I, from that perspective, I get it. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And I think you're right there. The one guy that I don't have a good feel for he's been playing well. And I just, I'm curious what the temperature is for you and giants fans quietly Tyler Rogers is kind of right at the ship. Yeah. And I don't think anyone wants to give him any love. I feel like he kind of has earned a spot in this bullpen somewhere to start the year off next year. But uh, I think it's going to trigger people, but I'm going to say they weren't really watching the last month or so. Cause he's actually been better than what the perception is. No, he's pitched really well. Here's the one thing though, the idea of quote, earning a spot on next year's team uh, to me, very, very, very few people have done that. Okay. Um, I have no problem with Tyler Rogers and Lamont Wade and, and guys like that being a part of this spring training roster. Yeah. But but like the Giants, I want them to foster a, 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 a competitive environment in spring training. You need to come win your spot. Yeah, you need to wa- earn it, like win it in the offseason, and then you need to win it again come March and, uh, and April. And, and, and by the way, that even continues into the season. Uh, because I think that we've seen it when there's co- when there's competition around, it elevates everybody, and and maybe there just hasn't been enough of that this year. So I'm not giving Tyler Rogers a spot, but yeah, I'm totally open to him pitching his way back onto the roster. If I'm looking at guys that I'm like, I know he's on the roster next year. It's very few. Like we know about the starting pitchers, right? Yeah. Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, and probably Wood and Sclafani as well. Doval is on the team next year. Uh, Brebia, I th- I mean, I don't even know the contractual situation, but he probably has pitched well enough to be on the team yeah. next year. Tyro Estrada is on the team. Brandon Crawford's on the team. Wilmer Flores is on the team. Joey Bart's on the team. I think Yaz is on the team. Slater's on the team. I'm about to run out of names. Like that's <laughs> right. Everything else to me is totally up you. for discussion. I'm with you. No, no. And the, the point that I was trying to make, Tyler Rogers, last 20 innings, he's only given up two runs. That's 15 different appearances. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to just, if we're going to crush the guy when he's not playing well, you got to highlight when he is playing well. And so I was just bringing him up because he's pitched a lot in the last recent memory. It just sucks right now because one of my favorite players on the, the 2022 Giants has been, you know, Rodon. And it feels like he's out the door. You know, it just, it really does start to feel like he's out the door. And I, 
it's a big hole, and I know that they've proven they can fill that starting rotation hole. But, man, it, I've enjoyed him. I've enjoyed him this year. It's tough. It's tough. I'm heading to the yard tonight to watch what will probably be his final start at exactly. Oracle Park as a giant. Um, we'll see. Speaking of one foot out the door, though, um, let's get into Radon a little bit, but also through this lens. And I quote from Jock Peterson after the victory on Wednesday night, quote, it's been nice. I've really had fun. First class organization. They do everything the right way. I'm glad I got to be a part of it for a year. I have never heard something that sounds quite frankly, so definitive. I know that he is absolutely gone. And quite frankly, I find this shocking. I mean, if it is a first class organization, if you're a hometown boy, if you say that you were so excited to be here, you, you, you love the season. The giants have said for three months, we badly want, to have a discussion about extending. And then you give that quote. I mean, it sounds like Jock Peterson is, is, is all but closing the door mm-hmm. on a return to the giants before free agency even starts, which tells me one of two things there. Cause he talks so much about wanting to play October baseball. Either Jock does not believe in the near term future of the giants, or he does not like the numbers that, the Giants floated to his agent when they wanted to discuss an extension. I can't tell which, but this one really opened my eyes. Yeah, it, it surprised me as well. But the reality is, and I like Jock. I do. I like Jock. I, I was envisioning, hopefully, a DH scenario where he's in the mix with J.D. Davis and maybe some other free agent that they would bring in if it's an Aaron Judge or something like that. It would be amazing. But, like, it's a tale of two halves, and it's not even the All-Star break. From the second he was named All-Star, it feels like all his numbers just boom, straight down, especially the power numbers. The the batting average has relatively remained similar, but in terms of the power numbers, it's like six home runs since being named an All-Star, you yep. know? And, and defensively, he's an adventure, but I thought he fit the ethos of the team, and so I'm with you. I, I think this is a combination of, of both of the things that you referenced the numbers he's not feeling, and I don't know what he's thinking when it comes to these young guys. Like I, I, I truly don't know. He feels like a guy, and I think the rest of baseball is going to do the same thing the Giants did. They're going to let him sit in free agency, feel it out, come back to us with your best offer. And I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. I just think Jock's overvaluing himself right well, now. Well, like, I mean, there's no fan base like San Francisco that understands sometimes when someone is about to leave and uh, you can all sit there and admit, even in front of a microphone, well, he's definitely not going to be back next year. Uh, sometimes he is. So uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo can be a 49er, maybe Jock Peterson can be a giant. But, I mean, this was everything short of Jimmy's press conference. He said everything except for see ya. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's pretty crazy to me. You know, the other thing is I think he's a very difficult player to quantify. Like, yep. do you really want to give Jock a multi-year deal? Like, it, may, it, it sounds good, but, like, no. do you really want to lock yourself in, especially given the inconsistency – the injuries and his limitations in the outfield, and then your redundancy in terms of what you have in the outfield, what you have in the infield already locked up. I mean, it kind of makes sense that they're at a stalemate. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with that. Um, something else interesting um, that we'll get to in just a second, producer Sam Loveman's going to jump in here to sort of compare that conversation with one he had with Carlos Rodon uh, recently, you're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. Two episodes a week. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. All right, Sam, 
How would you compare what we were just talking about with Jock Peterson and the conversation you had with Rodon just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, it was almost very similar. I mean, you look at the words that Rodon used, it was almost word for word what Jock said. The wow. word that stuck out to me was, you know, this is a first-class organization. The Giants, you know, that's what they do. They treat their players well. Uh, the one difference is uh, Rodon didn't use the it's been fun to be here for a year line. So it, maybe right. if you want to look at that as, as a window, as a doorway being open to next right. year, maybe. But he wasn't as definitive sounding as, as Jock there in that department. That, I love that you pointed at that, by the way. Can we read this statement one Just more time and more time. leave out the, the comment at the end? Ugh. It's been nice. I've really had fun. Uh, first class organization. They do everything the right way. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to be a part of it. And then that same thing for a year. <laughs> was, yeah. I mean, it changes the whole thing. It really when does. You throw yeah. that in at the end. Again, it's everything short of see ya. M Mark, I read that this morning at like five o'clock in the morning as I was sitting down preparing for our show. And I'm saying to myself, I can't believe he said this so bluntly. Like no. I just threw it out there and I screenshot it and I sent it to the group saying to myself, D -d -d do all guys talk this candidly? Am I missing something? Well, I mean, quite frankly, and that's why if I had to guess, I have yeah. no clue yeah. what, what has happened behind closed doors. But if I had to guess, uh, Farhan has said so many times that we would love to keep Jock. This suggests to me that Farhan and Jock's agent have talked a number of times. Exactly. And, and my guess is the agent does not like what Farhan is saying because Farhan and our guests, because we know Farhan, my guess would be, gosh, this has been great. Like, maybe we should do it again next year. And they're like, no, we should do it for the next four years. Yes. And Farhan's like, maybe, how about a year and a half? I mean, like, literally, they're not, they're, I don't think long-term is on the table. No. And Jock probably feels, with an OPS north of 850, mm -hmm. he probably, somebody should sign me for, for three or four years, and that's probably not going to be the Giants because – why else would you speak this way going into free agency? Yes. Your agent would say, dude, don't take any team off of the table. Rodon said this without taking the Giants off the table. Jock said it, and he kind of did. Yeah, he did. No, he absolutely did. And I'm just looking around, and I'm thinking – what do you think your market is? And I get it. He probably values himself higher than others, but like, okay, you want to play for a contender. Look around the outfields of all the contenders. They've all spent or prioritized high draft picks or spent tons of money on those outfields. Maybe he's thinking, let me see what happens with Aaron judge. And then I, I become someone's backup plan. If they don't land Aaron judge, which that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. But Again, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think you, you hit the nail on the head on they submitted some offers back and forth, and they're not impressed at all, Jock said. Yeah, it, it, it feels like that. And I love what you said also. I think we forget this sometimes when we're assessing a free agent. Uh, this conversation actually came up uh, again with Garoppolo this week on the air because it's like so many people have spent this week being like, he is what he is. He's terrible, right? He's limited. We yeah. all know that. And I'm like, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy doesn't feel that way. When he's having conversations about the future of his career, he and Don Yee are not sitting there and going, well, I'm limited and I'm not very good at this, so what should we do next? The reason I bring that up is you're right. All of these players, especially at the beginning of free agency, are going to be thinking on the high end. They're going to yes. think good things about themselves. Let me throw this one at you. This quote just came out today, and it's from Carlos Correa of the Minnesota Twins who did the short one-year prove-it deal. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a through-the-roof year, but he had a nice year. Mm -hmm. He is set up to hit the market again. 
And, and again, it's a big shortstop market. So here's uh, when he was asked about the possibility of returning to the Twins. Correa says, quote, when I go to the mall and I go to the Dior store, when I want something, I get it. I ask how much it costs and I buy it. If you really want something, you just go get it. I'm the product here. If they want my product, they've just got to come get it. I love this. This is, but this is, this is the most transparent transactional player. And this is what I love. I think I'm worth X. I'm going to the highest bidder. Yeah, yes, I'd like to win, but money talks. Like, that's where he's at right now. He signed basically a three-year deal with an opt-out after one year. Like, that was what the deal was in free agency because he wasn't satisfied. Trevor Story sat there and sat there and sat there, and he ended up getting a, like, what, a four- or five-year deal with the Red Sox. But, like, Correa believes he's better, way better than Trevor Story. I think he is a better ball player mm-hmm. than Trevor Story, personally. He is. He and is. I think also with this shift – with this banning of the shift, someone like Correa is going to be viewed even better because of the range. Now, he's got the back injury and had a history of it, but he's played a lot of games the last couple of years. To me, this dude is saying, come get me, Giants. That's what this was. Well, I, I mean, look, Carlos Correa, and we're, we, we've had so many conversations about Aaron Judge. Hmm. And the one thing, I, I guess it's not the one thing, but the, the major thing to me that is going to give the Giants major pause with Aaron Judge, and and if they did it, they would have to do it kind of gritting their teeth, Mm -hmm. is the fact that by the time he plays his next game next year, he's going to be 31 years old. And so it's hard to throw seven or eight years at a guy who you know is going to be 39 when the whole thing is over. It may not seem like much, but the fact that Correa is 28, that's a very big three years when you're talking about a six or a seven or an Mm -hmm. eight-year deal. I think the Giants would be much more uh, likely, quite frankly, to say, yeah, seven years with Correa till he's 35 rather than seven years for Judge until he's 38 because also Judge is going to cost a lot more. Mm-hmm. Now he's Judge, and so we're going to th- – our filter right now is that Judge is way, way better than Carlos Correa, and he is better, but add in the defensive position that you play, add in the age – Add in less cost. Like, I, 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 I've heard no rumors of c- connecting Correa to the Giants, but I actually think that this one might fit their approach mm-hmm. more than an Aaron Judge. Can we agree they're more than one player away? Well, I mean, of course they are. Exactly. And, and look, I would love to have the biggest prize on the market, Aaron Judge. I think most Giants fans would. But sometimes getting multiple players who are slightly less better than the top dude – can actually round out the roster significantly more. Like if you put Carlos Correa and I'm just hypothetical, go get me a third baseman, you know, or a first baseman or something like that. Now, now we're talking, now we're cooking with some oil. Arenado's going to opt out. I think he's a little too old for me. Josh Bell has not been performing. Like that would be the kind of guy you get Josh Bell and let's say Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. You could have more impact on the 162-day game lineup than than one player in Aaron Judge. As great as Aaron Judge is, he's more comp- comprehensive player than both those guys. So, I mean, yes, I'd like the top dog, but I'll settle for a Carlos Correa. Right now, beggars can't be choosers. I know that a Giants fan is going to say this team can afford Aaron Judge and more players, and that's true. That's hard. So I do think that they're going to be involved in the Aaron Judge conversation if Aaron is even willing to leave, and I don't know that he is. Yeah. But if he's willing to leave or if he wants to leave, then I do believe the Giants are a player for him. 
but I'm hearing what you're saying, and I am going to say that this is the more likely scenario. The Giants, even though some people want to fire everybody, the Giants execs are secure enough right now in their job that they would be willing to do what I'm about to say, which is instead of an Aaron Judge who has a Q rating in baseball, but Mm -hmm. very few baseball players have that, that name recognition, that box office, the Giants are not going to be um, sucked into that necessarily. They're not going to get him just because he's box office. What I think is more likely is you're right. They come in with a complement of three or four, like not landmark free agents, but affect your roster free agents. And when people say, oh, great, who's that? Like, I don't know who that is. The Giants brass will feel confident enough to say, talk to us in May, talk to us in June. We think we've built a better team and they're going to have confidence that they're 10 to 15 games over 500 halfway through the year, and they'll say, okay, are you okay now that we didn't go get Aaron Judge? That's risky, but then again, so is getting Aaron Judge because that doesn't mean you're going to be 10 or 15 games over 500 either. So Mm -hmm. I just think they're not going to play this for box office. They're going to play this for the standings, and and, and there are multiple ways to do that. Yeah, and and we've been talking hypothetically about – you know, what a salary would look like for Aaron Judge. Last episode, I was saying, hey, I'm hearing seven years, 40 million, approximate. Well, yep. right now, there's right. a couple of disgruntled players now in Southern California who want out. Like, that's the, the word is they want out. Mike Trout, who's under contract for another seven or eight years for $35 million a year, okay, and Shohei Otani. Now, we would obviously love to have either one of them. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some uh, everyday players. It's going to cost you something that you have in the farm system. If you strike out in free agency, I fear that they're going to pivot and have to trade away what few assets they do have from the farm to go get a blockbuster type of a move. And I just, I would love it on one end, but I'm really worried about surrendering these prospects because we have waited long now. Now I went through the whole year and we've waited. Now I'm getting kind of optimistic because I'm seeing these guys start to really perform at the lower levels of the minor leagues. Yeah. You got to be careful here and let's dive into that a little bit with Joe Shasky. It's Mark Willard on garlic fries and baseball guys, two episodes a week. The only way or the best way to not miss an episode is to subscribe. So each and every one of them gets delivered straight to you. Okay. So the, what you just threw out, I think is, is especially interesting if, for instance, you do want to bring up a name like Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. If the Angels are convinced they're going to lose him, which, by the way, they should be because they are. <laughs> yes. So if they're, if they're convinced they're going to lose him, then they should be motivated to trade him as soon as possible. Every day that goes by, the price goes down because there will be fewer games where he's on your team, right? But either way, he is still a rental. And therefore, you're going to have to deal with free agency at the end of next year, uh, no matter how you acquire him. Is there value getting him into your system and showing him how first class of an organization you are? Sure. I, I, I do think there is. But how much do you want to give up with that being the case? So some names that get thrown around every time we do bring up an Otani are obviously Kyle Harrison, who's become the number one prospect. Uh, there, there's Luciano. Casey Schmidt is firing with a bullet right now. They do have some names, uh, despite what the public says, who are succeeding at the minor league level and are very intriguing right now. I would almost rather talk 
to some of those teams from the major league roster? Like, wouldn't you and Grant Brisby, though tongue-in-cheek, brought this up a little bit this week in The Athletic, wouldn't you rather, like, dangle Camilo Duvall than Kyle Harrison? Because I know I would. I think everyone should. Uh, first off, one's 20. The other one's 25. One's a lefty starter who you believe has no arm injury history at all in his entire career um, and throws very effortlessly with the legs. The other is a 25-year-old flamethrower, and he throws 100-plus. And we know that, A, those guys are volatile and wild, and, B, they have a shelf life, too. Like, to think that – look at all the great closers in Giants history. All of them went down at some point with a devastating arm injury. Joe, that happens with every pitcher for sure, but specifically the flamethrowers. Rod Beck, Rob Nen, Brian Wilson, go right down the list. Melanson got hurt with the Giants, Benitez. So, like, to think that Camillo's just going to be the dude for eight, nine, ten years, that's probably false, right? Like, I think we can all agree that. And his value is about as high as it's going to be right now. Well, yes, because he does have the ability to hit 104. Yes. And, and he is young and, and, and all of those things. But closers, uh, I mean, how many closers do that for a decade? I mean, There's, Rivera, I can't even think. Hoffman, Bobby, yeah, Wa- like, uh, Billy Wagner. There's like five in my it, lifetime. It flames out really, really yeah. fast. And sometimes when you don't see it coming, like the Dodgers, I don't even know if they can put Kimbrell on no. the playoff roster. You look what's happened there. And about a year and a half ago, everyone's like, wow, elite closer. <laughs> yes. We're going to let Kenley Jansen go. We've got Craig Kimbrell. Well, how about that? Josh Hader story. Another great one. My gosh, like, Oh my gosh, he's the best closer in the game. The next week, he can never get another out again. It's just bizarre. So they fall off a cliff, and someone like Duvall, who does not have pinpoint control, like when he does lose two miles an hour on the fastball, what does that become? It's a great question. Right? Like, does does he become someone who's very easy to hit? Because let's be honest about these hitters, like 98 – Unfortunately, it's not special anymore. No. It feels like half the roster for all no. of these teams is throwing 98 miles an hour. Yeah, it, and this is what I would say about Camillo. Like right now, I love Logan Webb, right? I'm in love with Logan Webb. Yes. I'm not going to move Logan Webb. I really, really, really like Camillo. I'm not sure I'm ready to get married and love him forever, meaning he's not untradeable to me at this point. And because of the position, you have to evaluate it properly. The shelf life for a closer feels like running back in the NFL. Yes, it's great when you have a Derrick Henry, but they're so few and far between, right? And we we were just listing them. Like Lee Smith. How many teams did Lee Smith play for in our lives? A zillion. Like a zillion. All of them. Exactly. And I like Lee Smith. Kenley Jansen right now. You'd ask me this too. Two years ago, three years ago, I said he's finished. He's washed. And yeah, he's doing a pretty darn good job uh, with the Braves right now, but he doesn't have a whole lot left. So I'm with you, man. If, if it takes something on your major league roster to go get Shohei, I think you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. That that said, I'll stick with my point. Like, that's not option A this offseason no, at all. It's a fallback. I just, it's just too risky. Um, you know, I, I think the Giants – are going to be in a very strong position to get into Otani conversations at the end of next year, no matter where he plays this year. And and then the last thing I would say is there are some teams that underperform this year, Toronto Blue Jays, for example. I wonder if they're looking for a little shakeup. 
You know, could you pluck one of their young players for one of your veterans or a combination of guys? Like, I just, I would look around and say, one of these teams that left a lot to be desired, go take a look. Sniff around the Phillies. Like, I have a feeling this is going to end ugly for the Phillies and the Yankees. Sniff oh. around them and see if you can check their corpse out. No doubt, no doubt. Oh. Spending a lot of money and, and and at this point have not had any of the results to show for it. We'll see if the Yankees can sort of refine what they did uh, at uh, the first half of the season. Okay, before we're done with this episode, I want you right. to explain to everybody why Shelby Miller suddenly became relevant to you this week. So I'm leaning forward yesterday in my bed watching the San Francisco Giants, and I'm saying, huh, Shelby Miller looks pretty good. And then he turns around after catching a ball from the from the catcher, and he's wiping it up. I go, wow, he's rocking number 18. Matt Cain's number 18. And I don't know why. I just got triggered, okay? And we can have the debate about Matt Cain and should his number even be retired. I think it's an interesting question. He's a three-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star, perfect game, 10-year giant. He's on the Wall of Fame. That's not the question that I'm asking you. Let's say it's not going to be retired, which is totally fine. Yep. I saw them for years. Years, issue 22 before it was retired will clark's number and even before him it was jack clark for my dad they would issue it to like a dan ugla and i'd be like that number means something to me don't give it to dustin moore you know what i mean and maybe i'm just a number weirdo but like i want to hold out 18 for one of the younger prospects that's coming up to give to one of them not just willy-nilly to a, and I, god bless shelby miller this isn't an indictment of him it's just more like that number feels special to me. And I, if you're going to hand it out, it better be to somebody who's promising. Okay. So two things can be true at the same time. One, you're a numbers nut and that's true, but two, you're kind of right. That can also be true, but here's an example I'll give you back as to okay. why I think the giants don't necessarily feel it's a big deal. If you had said to me three days ago, Oh my gosh, I can't believe Miller's wearing number 18. You want to know what my response would have been? What, why? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I, like, do you know how many numbers of recent Giants? I like I'm the opposite of you. I know the lot you of people are quiz me. Yeah. And I'm like, I know Buster was 28. Yes. And Tim was 55. And I think I'm out. Like, yeah. I have no clue. What did Mad Bum wear? I don't even know. Yeah. What did he wear? 40. He wore 40. Okay. See, when you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. But I'm like, I had a 1 in 99 chance of getting that right. <laughs> like, I have no clue that I Matt Cain And this is, why, this is why the names are on the back, too, though. Like, this is another reason yes. why they got the names on the back. And I know that triggers people. That doesn't really trigger me. But, like, for example, and this is going to sound nerdy. Rich Aurelia wore 35. 35. Now, I don't think Rich Aurelia is one of the greatest Giants ever, but, like, he, he was an important player, and they waited to issue that number until Brandon Crawford came through. And I think it's cool, and maybe it's maybe it's just coincidence, but I think it's cool that Crawford and, and Rich Aurelia wore the same number, playing almost the same position, and Craw ended up being a Giants fan, all that. Like, I find that cool. Now, I know I'm a numbers dork and this, that, and the other, but I just – I was like, Shelby Miller, really? We're giving Matt Cain's? And you know who wore before wow. Matt Cain? It was Moises Alou. Moises you know, Alou. so but okay. how many people know that besides me? Yeah, not many. Yeah, not exactly. many is the, exactly. is the answer. But I, like, I'll give you this. I guess in general, look, if somebody is like, that's my number, uh, you know, if it's not retired, I, I, I guess you give it to them because in the moment they're like, dude, you're a giant. Like, you're yeah, a, I get that. a giant. We're going to give you what you want. 
But when it is like September of a bad year right. and someone just gets called up and you're like, yeah, we got a jersey hanging around. Oh, yeah, look, it's an 18. Here, you go, go wear this and go get a couple strikeouts. You're like, wait a minute. That number actually has some history. So, yeah, like couldn't you have found – I need to know the story. Did Shelby Miller walk in and be like, yo, I need 18? If he did – I'm actually okay with it because yeah. you're here now. But if they're just like, I don't know, we got 78 numbers available. Which one do you want? And he's like 18. They could be like, I don't know how's 19 sound. Like that's pretty close <laughs> to 18. Well, that's like, Forgetty's number. That's yeah, Forgetty's. I'm just teasing. I'm, now I'm right. getting ridiculous. <laughs> now I'm getting ridiculous. But like that's yeah. that's my point. I know, and I'm and I'm weird. But then the other question, which is a fair one, it's like where do you draw the line? You know what I mean? Like we've got a million numbers that that are special. You know, you got to create some new ones. And I'll tell you this: nobody's worn 99. So Aaron Judge, it is there for you. It's yep. there for you to take. Boy, you want your head to explode. Watch him sign with the Giants and go, I need number 35 because I grew up watching Rich Aurelia. And Brandon Crawford's over there going, wait a minute, I got one more year on my deal. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Let me give you my favorite one. When they acquired Carlos Beltran, if you want to hate Carlos Beltran anymore, Giants fans, (laughs) Bochi wore 15. He demanded 15. Bochi gave him 15. Bochi wore 16, which Renneria wore right before that. And then obviously Carlos Beltran was one and done. And then Bochi went back to 15. So Bochi wore 16 for about half a season. Okay. Well, now nobody can wear 15 and 16 around the Giants anymore either because that is Boach's number. Damn it. All right. There it is. Good episode for Joe Shasky. I'm Mark Willard. The final week of the regular season is coming up next week. We'll be with you twice, but oh, by the way, we're going to be with you through the offseason as well. We're not going to miss this winter meetings, not by any stretch. So keep it coming. Make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you soon.